Hey, this is John Gunter. I'm the preaching minister of the Eagle Community Church of Christ here in Mont Bellevue, Texas. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. We hope you find a lot of good information here. We'd also like to uh, for you to consider coming and visiting us any chance you get. You can find us at eaglechurchofchrist.com. You can see our, our meeting times and all of that. This week, we talk about the subject of rest. Yeah, we all work so hard. You've got to focus on getting rest as well. So this week, we talk about how Jesus viewed the Sabbath and how he tried to teach other people about rest. So again, thanks for tuning in. We hope to see you soon. Uh, hopefully our, our clicker works. Yeah, today we're talking about rest. And I know some of you are thinking, you know, preacher, if I didn't have to get up this morning and be here, I could have done that. <laughs> just bear with me. Hang, hang in here with me, and we'll talk about this for just a minute. And, and basically, the crux of this lesson is uh, kind of the rhythm of our lives. We all have a rhythm. Uh, we all have kind of a up and a down, what we plan to do and how we plan to accomplish it, and, and all of those good things. And rest has to be one of those things we work into our lives. Now, I understand I'm talking to a bunch of people in a culture that has really wired in that you do not rest. Rest may mean in your life that you're lazy. You're not getting something done. Some of you can't turn your brains off because you got to get so many things accomplished, right? A buddy of mine said he was getting a massage one time, which I love, by the way, five-star recommend uh, right here. But he said, I was getting a massage. I said, well, how'd it go? He said, well, I was just thinking about all the things I had to get done. I said, that is ridiculous. You need to just enjoy that massage. But that's kind of how we're wired is that we can't rest. We've got to keep going. We've got to keep doing. We've got to keep getting things done. I've talked bits and pieces about kind of uh, what's happened to me over the last year. Uh, in my old church, we had a bunch of uh, church drama at the end. When I went there, it was a fantastic church. I promise it wasn't me. Uh, but we had some things happen, which a year ago was put me in a very stressful time. So we have church drama. Every, every week I'm having different meetings with groups trying to mend the thing. I'm having separate meetings with other leaders and things like that trying to get things done while trying to finish my master's, while trying to provide for my family, have family time, do all of these things. And it just wore on me. I really got to a point of burnout. That's the first First time in my life I've ever done that. Anybody else experienced burnout before? Like you, you just hit a wall and it's over, right? I mean, that's the only way I can ex- explain it. It's like you just keep on going, keep on going. And, and really mine would have been worse. And actually, I'm still kind of experiencing some of those things right now, uh, even, even this far out. Um, but, I mean, you just try to keep, keep doing all of these things. And finally, it, it takes a toll on you, doesn't it? You don't realize it, but in the moment, yeah, you've, you've got to get some rest. You've got to get some help. You've got to do something. And so without my periods of rest that I had built into my life, it would have been much worse for me. So today I'm recommending that you start adding in rest. You can use my name today uh, if you want to, if you're going to go take a nap. I want you to add in rest to your life. Dedicated, we're not going to do anything within this time period rest. And for a while that's been a part of my life. I've told you guys before that I'm kind of right down the middle as far as introvert, extrovert. Like when I've, I've taken Myers-Briggs and stuff like that, I was like one question over into extrovert. But, but the way that feels sometimes is I, I love being around people. I love, I love being here. I love preaching. I love fellowshipping. But when I get done here today, my energy level is going to go, whew. 
Like, I need to recharge. Anybody else feel like, like that? Like, well, I, I, I love socializing and doing that, but then I need a time of recharge. And so what that's looked like in my life for a while now is that Sunday afternoons are kind of blocked off. I'm going to get something to eat. I may watch a little bit of football, red zone, and, uh, and then I'm, I'm in the bed. And I'm not apologizing to anybody about that. You know, that's, that's, a part of my, that's a part of my life. That, that's going to happen. And thankfully, that's been a good part of my life that, is, that has helped me in a lot of ways. Uh, actually, when we were uh, still making the drive down here, we stayed with Heath and Becca uh, quite a bit. And I remember one Sunday, uh, Rebecca said, you know what, I think, I think we are going to be able to be good friends. I said, why is that? She said, well, did you notice today when we got, all got home from church, we walked in my house, nobody said a word, everybody just kind of walked to the bedroom and went to bed. <laughs> like, we didn't, have to, we didn't have to do the, hey, you know, uh, small talk, you know, hey, let's, let's be, uh, be real courteous and sit up for a little bit. No, we just kind of all just kind of walked in. <laughs> we had eaten lunch at that point, we just like, kind of all walked to bed. Uh, and, and so that's, a, that's an important part of my life, especially, you know, talking about burnout and uh, the way that, that so many things are coming at us in our culture and kind of the way we're wired. I understand, and even, even having preached this already today, people immediately come, at, uh, come talk to me and say, I've never heard that before, or I don't know how to rest, and that kind of thing. So that's what we're going to talk about for uh, the few minutes that we have uh, this morning. Uh, we work a lot. Y'all know that? Anybody that's shocking to you? Okay, uh, this is, I can't remember what year this is. It's only a couple of years old. Uh, Average hours worked per year per country. So you got Mexico, Costa Rica, Korea, Chile, Israel, and then there we come right there. Average hours worked for the United States, 1,767 hours. Now, I hope you're not looking at this thinking, man, we could get Mexico if we would only work just a little bit harder. (laughs) I I hope that's not what you're thinking as you look at this. But we are, we are constantly working. Some of, you, some of you are probably sitting here thinking, man, I wish I only worked 1,767 hours, right? Like we know how averages work. Some of you work way more than that. Some of you work less, and that's, that's okay. But we work a lot of hours. Now, look at the bottom of this list. Austria, 1,400 hours in comparison to us. Germany there at 1,332. Anybody want that? And by the way, Germany works similar like weeks to us. Uh, like 40-hour work week type of thing, but they get vacation. Y'all know what that is? Vacation? Y'all talked about that before? Oh, Germany, 32 days per year minimum. So they have about 20, 21 days uh, that is guaranteed vacation, and then the rest are holidays. Anybody up for that? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, let's sign up right now. I'm with you, man. Let's go. Um, but, but, you know, a joke has been, because I, my, first, my first job was in banking, and so the job is, well, you got banker's hours, right? Now, you're all forever holiday. I mean, it's like a negative stipulation, right? And not only is it, you know, hey, you need to be working full-time, you need to be working hard, you know, it's, it's how hard are you working in my eyes. My first job was at a bank. I was working at, as a teller, and I was working the drive through one afternoon, when one of my, my people from church came through, and I was excited to see him. And I was talking to him there. He's like, hey, John. Uh, hey, how's it going? He's like, he just sat there a moment, and he looked at me. He said, it's an awful soft job, isn't it? I'm like, well, hey, great to see you today. So glad we go to church together. Probably shouldn't have told all my coworkers we did right before you said that, but, you know. Uh, 
But, but there's even this idea that if, if you work, A, you need to work hard, and, and B, you, you better work real hard in my eyes. You need to work a lot, and you need to work real hard. And so there's this thought that, man, you just better get after it. And so where it leaves us a lot of times is really worn out, right? And so when we look at Germany and say 32, hour, 32 uh, uh, days per year uh, vacation, we think, yes. So some of you go in this week and just bring this information to your boss and say, listen, we're, we're, we're going to compete on a global scale. Just start it that way. Just see where that goes with you. We, I feel like this company can compete on a global scale, and as such, Germany gets 32 days. I want to start there. Uh, do that. But look at that right side. By law, every European Union uh, country has at least four weeks of paid vacation. They still work, but they also understand the importance of taking off and getting rest. And how many times do we do that? This is, this is kind of uh, a problem for me. In fact, the U.S. is the only advanced economy that doesn't guarantee its workers any paid vacation time. Now, this is not talking about what your, your company does, but this is uh, like as a, as a nation, we don't have any guarantee that you get this many days off, whereas you saw all these other countries that, uh, that have so much off. Now, this is disturbing for me. American workers left a record number. I think this was in seven, no, yeah, this was in 17 or, yeah, 18, something like that. Yeah, 18. American workers left a record number of vacation days on the table last year, 768 million days. So not, not only did we have the days to take, we said no thank you. So even when you have the days to take off, people are saying no thank you. Why is that? Well, I feel pressure to perform, right? I don't want to lose my job. Maybe I want to work extra because I'm saving up for something. I want my kids to achieve something. I want a certain level of lifestyle. And so we go and we go and we push and we push, and well, guess what? We're tired. When people ask us how are we doing, what do, what do a lot of us say? Busy? What's been going on? How you doing? Oh, I'm busy. Because if you don't say that, you kind of feel like, well, maybe I'm slacking here. Maybe I'm the slacker. I'm, I'm not doing enough. Well, of course, that, that tells us we are busy. We need rest. Amen? Anybody need rest in here today? All right. We're talking about that. I want you to uh, notice the word Sabbath, and uh, Paul has already uh, told me not to mention the Hebrew letters here. I didn't in first service, and I won't today. I won't now. Uh, the Sabbath, which means cease, rest, complete rest, or desist, is found in every section of the biblical text, uh, and forms of the word Sabbath uh, occur 104 times in the Old Testament. Well, why is that? Why is it important to understand what Sabbath means in this rest that we're talking about? Well, notice here, as Jesus says in Luke 6, or it says about Jesus, one Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, what Jesus is doing here and what he does over and over, and we'll, we'll continue reading so you kind of see this, Jesus kind of puts, kind of confronts these religious people, these church people, with this notion of Sabbath. Anybody get a little uncomfortable if you know people are going to disagree? We're going to have a discussion? 
Like that seems to be getting worse. I don't know. Everything seems like it's a conflict waiting to happen, right? And, and so you get a little, oh man, church people are coming together and we don't agree on something. And for some reason, we've lost all ability to have healthy conversation. I don't know why. Uh, but, but Jesus really kind of, uh, you know what? We're going to have this conversation. So Jesus actually goes and does stuff on the Sabbath to create this conversation, to create a point where he can teach these people and teach them better. Anybody good with that? Sitting there watching Jesus that's going to have this confrontation. And, of course, they watch and they see him walking through these fields because he's hungry, picking these heads of grain. They say, you know what? That's work. You have profaned the Sabbath. And there are laws about the Sabbath that say you can even die because of that as they sit there and watch. Well, notice what Jesus does as Luke puts it right after this. On another Sabbath, again, Jesus habitually was was saying, hey, I'm going to teach you guys whether you want to or not. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. What, what were their facial expressions like right there? You, you see him looking out of the corner of their eye, kind of bowed over. I know he's going to heal that man. I know he's going to do it on the Sabbath looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? So which one would you choose? Well, of course, they're not going to say anything, are they? You're not going to trap me. I can't say do evil, right? So I have to say do good. Well, I can't say that because... That's what Jesus is about to do. He looked around at them all and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. He did so, and his hand was completely restored right in front of them. Imagine that. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Isn't that interesting? Jesus has just asked this question, what's, what's lawful to do? Is it to do good or to do evil? And then crickets. So he doesn't actually do anything as far as you don't see any work being done. He, he simply speaks to the man and says, hey, stretch out your hand. And the guy does it. And they are okay with the mental leap from, hey, he has told this man to stretch out his hand. And he did it. He healed this man. But now I am okay because he has done this with planning something against Jesus. Now, what was it, church, they were going to do? They were going to kill him. So mentally, they were not okay with Jesus healing a man doing good, but they were completely okay with planning his death. What's the issue here? What's the issue Jesus is trying to teach them? This is is not about just a, a flat reading of Scripture. This is not just about a law. This is about something deeper, right? One issue that we often have, just like they did, um, is we can be very Pharisaical. Anybody else would make a good Pharisee in here besides me? Like, I was raised a rule follower. I think I came out that way. Give me black and white. Tell me what to do, and I'll enforce it even, right? Just let me know, and I'll, I'll tell you where the line stepper is, right? And, that, and that's kind of how we see it. And, and so we say things like, well, God said it, so I believe it. You know, I read Scripture, and what it says I do. But, but Jesus says, well, there's a problem with that sometimes if you don't understand, like, the concept of what's going on. Because what they were doing was they saw hey, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy, and they turn that into this is what you do or don't do. 
Well, what was the purpose of it is the question. So you're doing some theology and some understanding there instead of just reading the scripture and saying, oh, well, everybody must die. Jesus must die because, well, he picked a head of grain and he healed a man. When Jesus is actually saying, hey, have you read your Bibles? Have you guys who are sitting here right now, have you read your Bibles? Do you remember when David went into the temple and he ate the bread consecrated that was just for the priests? And you know what his reasoning was that he could do that and it was okay? He didn't die, he wasn't killed, God didn't punish him because he was hungry and he needed it. So what does that tell you? This is not some kind of flat law that God is trying to, to get after you with. This is, this is about God loving people, and that's what this is. And that's the same thing with the Sabbath, is, is how God loves you. Notice this. This is in Mark 2. This is the same account. So when you compare Gospels, a lot of times you have a lot of uh, um, very similarities, uh, very similar passages, and this is very similar. So Mark 2's account of this. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along, uh, as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Sound familiar? All right. He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, and notice the difference here. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. You notice the difference. You know, you see the difference there. That God has not just made some rule for you to follow. God has given you a gift to take in. And we've made it a rule and a law to follow. And we often do that when we read the Bible with very legal, very rule uh, understanding, like a legal understanding, like everything's a rule to be followed or not followed. And, and Jesus said, you've got to look deeper. You've got to understand that the Sabbath wasn't just something to follow. The Sabbath was given for you. Now, I want you to notice this about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a commandment of the Lord from Exodus 20. The Sabbath is a perpetual covenant, a continual covenant, Exodus 31. The Sabbath is a sign between the Lord and humankind that God is the source of sanctification. Notice that. But this is not, again, not even just a gift to humankind, but it's also one of those touch points where we go to and we understand in this moment, in my moment of resting, as I sit here and sit back and decide I am not going to work, that that is a moment where I acknowledge God. Because a lot of our working is about our control and our power and our belief that we can control our destiny in our lifestyle, and everything that happens. And so it's very difficult to talk to people who have been wired like that to say, why don't you let go a little bit and put your trust in God, understanding that he wants this relationship, that he wants to, to bring about this sanctification that we've talked so much about. That in this rest that you can sit back and you can say, okay, God, you run this show. And that can be very difficult. Because notice what he says here, the Sabbath should continue even during the harvest and planting season. Now, let's throw ourselves back in the past right now. Can we do that? All right, you're, you're living in, in the Middle East. You're living in a, in a place where your life, your family's life depends on you going out, tending the harvest. 
taking care of the animals, uh, raising, growing crops, bringing them in, all the trading, whatever uh, goes into that. And being told that one day a week, stop it. Think that's very easy? But what does that show? They can't run down to H-E-B, Lord help them. (laughs) Now that I've got it, I don't want to give it up. They don't have this big grocery store that they could just go get. They have to work. It is a necessity for life itself is the way we would think about it, right? But what is a greater necessity than that? God, right? And so God in giving the gift of the Sabbath is saying to people who are used to working seven days a week, going after it, having to go, feeling like you have to go after it. You think we feel lazy now if we rest. Can you imagine them? And God is saying, hey, one day a week, you take off, don't let your animals work, don't work the ground, everything takes a rest. And then turning that into some kind of law that where Jesus heals a man, he probably needs to die. That's not what this is, is it? This is an idea that God loves us and he wants to give us something special. And so what I want to encourage you today is to think about this this week to think about how can I rest, how can I let go, how can I take my hands off the wheel for a minute? Because by the way, that's all a a mirage anyway, isn't it? I was laid up in bed this week, and that's that's a good reminder I'm not in control of anything. When you can't do anything, you don't have the power to change anything, you get those reminders every once in a while. That's That's how come our prayer life gets a little better when somebody gets sick, right? Hadn't prayed in a long time, somebody gets sick, man, I'm, I'm on the floor, right? I'm on my knees. And we get those reminders. Well, how about we, we be a little proactive? How about we be the church? How about we, we accept a gift from God that we can have these periods of rest? I want you to pick a time this week, and I want you to take four hours. Now, I know some of you are thinking, how efficient can I be with these four hours? <laughs> no, do not do it. I want you to do something that is relaxing. If that's a nap, take a four-hour, I don't care. Take a four-hour nap. You want to read a book, something that is relaxing to you, but knock off four hours and just just be conscious about it that, God, I am giving this to you. That, God, you you saw fit to to give these people a Sabbath, to give these people a rest, and I'm in constant pursuit of all of these things. I'm constantly chasing something, and I need a rest, and I know that. I'm going to give these four hours to you, and I'm not going to feel bad about it because it is a gift from you. And so I want you to take four hours this week. And if that's difficult for you, I want you to have the hard conversation with yourself about why that is, about why we have filled our schedules with so many things that we can't give four hours of rest to God, to ourselves. Next week, we're going to talk about how we actually get more done when we take time to rest. I hope you'll be back for that because I think it'll be interesting. But to kind of help us change our, our wiring in our brain that says, you got to go, you got to go, you got to keep doing, you got to keep running, or somebody else is going to pass you. To be able to sit back and say, you know what? Hands off. God, you got this, and I know it, and I trust you. And thank you for this gift. These next four hours are yours. Do that this week. I want you to continue working on that relationship between you and God. 
uh, as we try to pull our hands back as hard as that may be to, to let go uh, of what we feel like we have control of and understand God has this. But if you don't have a relationship with God right now, I want you to begin that today. If your relationship has become strange or estranged, I want you to fix that today and come to him. We'd love to pray with you about that. We're going to offer a, a moment of invitation here. Paul's going to lead us in a song. We'd love to pray for you and pray with you. Don't leave here without trying to make that relationship right. If your life has been all about what we've talked about today, about power and control, and I'm just driving, I've got this drive, and our culture sees that as a positive. But you notice, well, that means more time away from my family and relationships may be strained. And yeah, I feel like I've hit a wall, but I got to keep going. Let's let that go right now. If you need anything, would you come as we stand and sing?